0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Giller is here with me this week. JT, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Luke.
1: How are things up in the Pacific Northwest?
0: Um, You know, not too bad. It's getting a little warm for ski season up in the mountains, so it needs to, to cool down a little bit. But otherwise, you know, pretty good. So I I gotta ask right now with K State on kind of a road trip in a season like this, I know your guy loves to go to the games with your family and all that, but is it a little bit of
1: a relief to to get a break from that? With the uh, going? Yeah, a little bit. It's it's <laughs> it's tough sitting through uh, those games like, man, I I don't know. Of course then you get rewarded with that the weird you yeah. know, beating <laughs> of West Virginia and, and then it you know makes it all worth it. But yeah, wait, it's, what it's, kind
2: yeah. of beating? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, so that's uh, that's our guest for this week. You may recognize him. We're looking ahead past. Casey He's actually is going to play West Virginia again in Morgantown on Saturday. But we're here today to talk with Matt Wilson of the number one Baylor Bears in case they will get them on Big Monday in about a week. Um, oh, it sounds so good.
2: Say it again. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? That sounds really good.
0: The, the number one Baylor Bears, coached oh. by Scott Drew. That's
2: really good. Yeah, number one Scott Drew team. That's so good. Um, Guys, yeah. So, like, um, Uh, thank you for having me on. I I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Kansas State Athletics. It feels like a sister school to me. So I always love coming on with you guys. And it's even a lot more fun, you know, with our football team, uh, you know, ending the season uh, 11-1 and and definitely not playing two games after that. Uh, And then our (laughs) basketball team, (laughs) our basketball team, Really just, I, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere, but coming out of almost nowhere to be the number one team yeah. in the country. Yeah,
0: it's it's kind of amazing.
2: Um, I do feel like, real
0: quick, we are doing a basketball podcast on Sunday. We should acknowledge kind of the dark cloud hanging over the basketball world today. Uh, Kobe Bryant said, uh, I don't know, that one. It hit me kind of hard, guys, to be honest. like I wasn't a big fan of Kobe the player, but just the impact that he's had on, on the basketball world and, and even beyond is kind of crazy. And to think that we're not going to see him doing things for years
2: and years to come like we all expected is pretty surreal. So it's – and you, you kind of put it pretty succinctly. I, I was never a fan of how Kobe – made decisions on the basketball court, right? I I never thought that that was the best way to win a basketball game, right? But the thing that you could never deny is that this guy was a basketball genius, Uh right? The way he thought about the game, the way he thought about everything leading up to the game, the way he thought about preparation and recovery, he set the table for a brand new generation of players who take this profession to a whole new level. Right? Um he he laid the groundwork. He was the pil- he was one of I don't know three or four pillars of a post Michael Jordan era that really helped the NBA and basketball as a whole skyrocket. I mean globally, not just not not just in America but globally. And the only other thing I can add is, you know, I'm I'm not a great athlete, but I love basketball shoes. And whenever I play, I want the shoe that will give my fat little body the biggest advantage possible. And so I know that Kobe was the most maniacal about every little detail in his footwear, and it showed. And so that's the shoe that I wear to play basketball in. I mean, it's it's weird stuff like that that he impacted throughout yeah. the entire game.
0: And I would also say, you know, in my full-time job, I cover now high school <laughs> athletes. You know, I've covered some college athletes, and i I follow a few of them on Twitter and, you know, I've noticed that there are a lot of athletes and not just basketball players, but just athletes in general who, you know, said they were inspired by Kobe. You know, he was their model as far as work ethic and the way he approached the game, like you talked about. So well,
2: that was the other part. You could never, you could never ever question his work ethic. He was, yeah. like I said, a maniac, but neither yeah. here nor there. Yeah.
0: Anyway, now got that out of the way. Let, let's get back to Kansas State, Baylor, and Matt, I, I'm not trying to bring up bad memories here, but just because K-State has so little going for them right now.
2: Um, you can't hurt me.
0: We are going to have to look. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to look at the past to, to find some positives here. Sure. Kansas State's five-game win streak against Baylor is actually the longest it has against any Big 12 team. Is that real? Uh, it is, yeah. I looked There's a five-game win streak? That's yeah.
2: actually... Kind of bunkers to me. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. And it
0: Bruce, started with
1: Bruce, much as Bruce Weber's team struggle against his the own. They do really well against right, Baylor, right? And we'll like, talk
0: about that more. Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> but, and you know that that streak, of course, started with that terribly ugly fifty-six, fifty-four win at number two Baylor three years ago.
2: That right? is correct. Right. I we'll do remember that, that one. Yeah, I, I I will never claim to have a good memory, but I do remember that. one. That was very frustrating because it was like the rocks themselves were having a rock fight. I do remember that. Yeah, interesting though. The uh,
0: first time the team met that season was Baylor was number one, came mm-hmm. to Manhattan with a sixteen and one record. Yep. And so very very similar to this game coming up. I think Baylor's seventeen and one now. So I don't know who knows what they'll be next monday but you know and baylor did win that 177 68 and even though dj johnson scored 20 points go figure
2: so there you go that i i recall that one too because that dj johnson game was kind of an outlier i remember that very very well yeah yeah and that lecomte had a big game
0: belgian jerk yeah anyway as as jt alluded to, the Baylor Zone, for whatever reason has been the one zone that Kansas State has been able to solve the last three years uh, unfortunately i'm I'm kind of worried that might not be as helpful this season it seems <laughs> like Baylor's not playing a lot of
2: zone yeah, so the zone is kind of not really the main weapon, right i I think that well, I mean you you look at a stereotypical scott drew team over the last call it the last decade scott drew has been there for 17 years i think is what they said or something insane like that so you look at the stereotypical scott drew team and it is a, a very long athletic mobile front court and then a couple of dynamic players in the back court right maybe with a couple swing players but it's usually those two of players this team, and I, th- I think it really started with last year, too, when Tristan Clark was injured for a large portion of the season. Scott, you kind of realized that, man, It you, d- you don't really need as much length if you can replace that length with skill. And so you have on this team just a, a team of transfers and JUCO transfers and young guys, and you, you have this very deep, athletic, quick, <laughs> exciting backcourt. Uh, And you really only have two, two and a half post players, right? And that lends itself to a really pesky, irritating to play against man to man defense. This Baylor team pressures the ball. This team does not sit back in the zone and let you shoot them out of it. This team dictates the action on the defensive side of the ball, and it is so fun to watch. I can't believe I didn't get on board with this earlier. I should have been screaming about man to man defense three or four years ago.
0: And it seems to be the, the strength of this team. Kind of almost like like the football team in a way, where oddly the the, the defense has been become the, the pillar of the team.
2: Absolutely. Bizarro Baylor, right? Like I think we all kind of knew that the rebounding would be there. Whenever you have Mark Vital on the floor, yeah, he, he's it, gonna he's a tank. He is he's baby Rico, right? That's what a lot of people yeah. call him. Baby Rico gathers. Yeah. And I think whenever you have him on the floor, you you know, you're going to rebound the ball mm-hmm. at a certain level. And every color guy, every announcer that does a Baylor game is talking about Willie Gillespie. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Freddie Gillespie. The The guy is averaging almost 10 and 10 a game. And he impacts the offensive boards every single game. And that has honestly allowed Baylor to survive a couple close games versus Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. It's been bizarro Baylor. Like I said, it's been a lot of fun though. I
0: well, think Gillespie is kind of that Scott drew model forward, right? he he's got Absolutely. a lot of length.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of length, extremely uh, mobile, pretty nimble and agile, not the biggest guy, but he positions himself really well to rebound the ball almost all the time, extremely disciplined on defense and he's just a problem for everybody that tries to play against him.
0: And to me JT I, mean, I think that might be the toughest matchup problem because you know maybe Matt can score but if Matt gets in foul trouble which he probably will
1: then we're in big trouble. Well <laughs> Mac is such an enigma. I mean like we saw the potential even just the last game against Alabama he he had a double double. I mean the guy's he's capable a of bunch it. Of layups. Well yeah. I mean he probably could have had 20 <laughs> points it, uh, but I mean, there's still that that weird like, come on, Mac. We know you can do better than this. And <laughs> but for some reason, he just he plays scared and timid so much that you know it's it's absurd. Like I, I'm sure Baylor's bigs will just push him around all night because you know he just he looks scared out there or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then defensively,
0: the thing is Baylor's got you know I guess they their four main guards, and there seems to be no. Weak, leak defensively, like you know, maybe K State has with David Sloan. But, uh.
2: Yeah. So the the tip of the spear with Baylor's guards is definitely Davion Mitchell, the the transfer from Auburn. If I'm not already drunk, but he he is definitely the peskiest of everyone on the court. Just maybe the quickest player I've seen play for Baylor. Um, and Pierre Jackson definitely had some explosiveness, but laterally. This guy is unbelievable. Draws about a charge a game, I'd say, just for being in the right place. Not really, not really the the stereotypical charge that one would draw, like under the basket, waiting for somebody. But he'll just beat a guard to a spot and get that slight little push off and, and get a charge called. He definitely sets the tone. Uh, and then you have uh, Maceo Teague, who's who's pretty long and, and pesky as well. And then you know Jared Butler, very strong big guard. So just by that essence, he's, he's going to be effective defensively. And then there's Mark vital who I said during the first conference game of the season, man, it, you know, driving the lane against Mark vital is probably akin to driving your car just against the median for an extended <laughs> period of time. And I think driving the basketball against Mark vital might be a little bit more violent than that. Like, it's just, it cannot be a fun experience because he is built like a tank. Um, if you're able to survive in the Big 12 as a power forward style position at you know his height, I, I mean that's that's pretty impressive to me.
0: And when, so watching the Florida game, and it seemed like you know maybe the way to beat Baylor is to knock down some outside shots. That's how Florida was kind of sticking around early, and then that kind of faded away. And, and Baylor pulled away. And if, if that's true, that would be very bad news for Kansas State, obviously.
2: It's, it seems to be the only way to really bother Baylor while you're on offense, right? Washington did it slightly differently. The only loss on Baylor's schedule. Washington really did it with defense and transition. So, I mean, that's, that's the other possible way. But this team doesn't necessarily turn the ball over, right? You'd have Scott Drew teams over the last five or seven years that when they're going and they're clicking and everything's efficient. They're not turning the ball over, and it's great. But they would turn the ball over occasionally. You know, you'd have games with 13 to 18 to 24 turnovers, and then you end up in a situation where you're losing to Georgia State in the first round of the tournament, right? So (laughs) I think they turned the ball over 19 times that game or something like that. So I'm not bothered by it or anything. I don't think about it a lot or anything. (laughs) Um, So, so, yeah, this team seems to be very disciplined. They don't turn the ball over a ton. And it's just, it's not always the prettiest offensive basketball, but I mean, they rank first in opponent offense, right? So they're only allowing 55 points a game in conference. You know, they're only allowing, you know, (laughs) you know, 39, I think that only 39 three-pointers have been made in conference, something like that. So it's not like they're uh... giving up, it's not like they're giving up threes, but that does seem to be, I mean, Brady Manick from Oklahoma, four of eight from three, that's what kept Oklahoma in it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know eventually that that runs out you you better have a second threat on the floor,
1: yeah
2: along well, well, least... these scores you know like
1: giving up fifty five points in allen fieldhouse to kansas that's that's pretty impressive
2: um, well you know they're they're pretty good in Lubbock. yeah they're 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 starting a program over there, and i you know, I'm curious to see what they're gonna do over there uh, over the course <laughs> of, um uh, bill bill himself i think is is going to build something mm-hmm. successful over there. You know, they run a good program, good clean program. I'm curious <laughs> just to see what, what they do over the long time.
0: Yeah. They just bring in high character guys. I think. Uh, yeah. That's all. That's all you yeah, can do. Right. I go. mean,
2: that's all you can do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so, you know, like you said, it it's not necessarily going to be easy to get inside, but if you do is, is Gillespie to see qualify as a, as a rim protector for you guys?
2: Yeah. I, I don't think you have, I don't think you have to block a ton of shots to be considered a rim protector. I mean, that being said, he has blocked his fair share, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that the defense operates as a unit quite well. They don't really let a lot happen in the middle of the floor. I I think that's pretty indicative of a, uh, you know, a, a no middle style defense, which is becoming more and more popular throughout the country. And I just think, like I said, this team operates as a unit on the defensive side of the floor. But uh, it, it doesn't hurt to have 6'11 back there altering shots. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what Baylor's doing really well. I think number four right now in Kim defense. But, you know, they're doing a lot of good things on offense, too. It, it seems like I mean balance is the name of the game. Like nobody averages more than like 32 minutes a game. Butler's, you know, scoring a lot. You think he's fourth in the Big 12 with fifteen point eight points a game, but he's doesn't necessarily feel like an alpha out there. Is that kind of the way that Scott drew wants it right now? I don't know if, I don't know if
2: there's a preference on if he wants him to be an alpha or not. I I definitely think Jared Butler has the most killer instinct of the guards here. There are a couple plays a game where Jared Butler is just really out to embarrass the player in front of him, like it's <laughs> just a little added flair to make sure that the guy across from knows who's in charge. And he, you know, he's the leading score on the team, right? Uh, you know, sixteen points a game isn't blowing anybody out of the water nationally, right? You have Marcus Howard out there, and, the, and we and know all about the Marcus players.
0: Howard. Thank you very much. Right?
2: Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that a is that a thing? Um, yeah. But in the context of this team, you know that you're going to have two or three other guys step up with 10 or 15 a game. So any game, it could be Jared Butler for 12. It could be Maceo Teague for 19. It could be Davion Mitchell for 15. Like so while Jared Butler tends to be that guy who scores the most, it doesn't have to be him every night. Against Oklahoma State, I think he was two for 12 from the floor and everybody else stepped up.
0: I like the Baylor guards. Like that little floater in the lane. There's a lot of them that were getting pretty. Yeah,
2: good it's that's uh, it's, it's it's I it's one of my favorite shots. I think it's very yeah. pretty.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know, got some decent three point shooters. Bandu, I think, and Matt Meyer, both around forty five percent, right? So. Yeah, Matt Matt Meyer. Right? Um,
2: you know who Jordan Clarkson is, right? From the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Jordan Clarkson played on a on the Cavaliers team with LeBron and Kyrie, and I, I think there'd be a, a couple of occasions every every game where Jordan Clarkson would be brought off the bench to. Yeah, he played quote at Missouri, unquote,
0: so I know him pretty well.
2: Yeah, exactly. So he he would be asked to to get some shots up in the absence of Kyrie and LeBron. <laughs> and <laughs> I for, I forget who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted, "It's Jordan Clarkson time," quoted by Jordan Clarkson, right? <laughs> and. uh, Matt Mayer last year, extremely raw freshman, a lot of tools there. You could tell the physical gifts were there, but definitely wanted to prove to himself and everybody else that he could score in the Big 12. And it turns out that's pretty hard. So we didn't really know what to expect this season from him. I got to say, incredibly disciplined compared to last season, really knows where to pick his spot. He, he has an underrated vision. So you see 45% from the three-point line this season, but he's only taking about one, one and a half, sometimes two threes a game, which I think I'm, I would bet a lot of money is down from last season, even though he played significantly less minutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when he does take it, it's usually a good shot, but he is a lot more dangerous driving to the rim and, and kind of being active around there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. me. He's listed as a guard at 6'9". Uh,
2: Who knows? I mean, he does. He plays like a guard. I will say that Uh he does play like a guard. You'll occasionally see him range from that, you know, that free throw line extended down to the corner. That's that's a lot of where you'll find him every once in a while. He'll pop up to the top and do something off the dribble. Only rarely will you see him not really post up at the free throw line or so. But um, no, he's he's definitely a perimeter player. Mm hmm.
0: And then one thing that, uh, you know, Dickie V was really enjoying yesterday. I I, I kind of liked the two, you know, which I say used to run it is that the perimeter weave guards up top. Is that something they do a lot?
2: Yeah, it's okay. You're, you're talking to the wrong guy. If you're looking for enthusiasm <laughs> about that, because I, I don't know if it was like the 2016 season or the 17 season, it just seemed like Baylor and all like all of the other top 15 or 25 teams, they all ran that set. Just into the ground in my brain. That's the only thing I could see when watching basketball. And it drove me nuts because a lot of the teams ran it to almost no effect. Right. This Baylor team, though, with three or four different guards who are effective off the dribble, it actually carries some weight. And I hate to admit it, but it usually ends up with an undesired switch from the defense. Mm -hmm. And you get a Davion Mitchell on somebody who's a little bit heavier than required to guard Davion Mitchell. Uh, And it usually winds up in something good happens. So, or Jared Butler on a post player, and that's just a disaster. That's violence. You don't want that. So, (laughs) uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a thing that I don't think is going to go away in college basketball every time. Well, at least
0: least your team runs something resembling offensive sets, right, JT?
1: Yeah,
2: it's, yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm not even sure half the time that they're running anything. They're just kind of standing there waiting for Bruce to yell at them and,
2: Ah, yeah, the they, Shaka Smart strategy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can see how successful that is. Oh <laughs> yeah, boy. So it's been just as fun. Yeah, boy, guess,
2: boy, uh, boy, boy, boy. So I, I, from from a Big Twelve perspective, is it a lesser evil to have Baylor win a, a potential, like potentially win a Big Twelve championship, than it is Kansas? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you would say that there is tentative, reluctant conference support
0: okay so i don't know i mean you're asking kansas state fans right like sure of course we're gonna say is i don't i i don't know about a bis 12 perspective i probably but not sure if it was fun
2: i i personally don't give a bleep but i just wanted to you know be nice and stuff i i think it's great i can't wait (laughs)
1: I just, I want to like, you know, go two years in a row without them even winning a share of the title. I think that would be fantastic. So I don't care who wins as long as they don't get even a piece of it.
2: That's (laughs) just, you know,
1: the, the wildcat fan. Yeah.
2: They should, they should, uh, you know, just pull up a chair and take a seat for a while. Yeah. Maybe a a stool. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, does, uh, Does
0: Baylor get KU before McCormick comes back or.
2: Um, Probably I don't right. believe so. I would have to no. what is it's uh, McCormick. No, I mean we get. I think yeah. we get it before. Um, but the oh, yeah, he, is, well, he doesn't yes. even matter. So no, he does. He does not matter. But we get <laughs> Kansas on the twenty second of February. So okay. yeah, yeah, that's who, right. Who before, knows. Right
0: before they play State again, or a week before they play Kansas again, I think. Yep. Oh. And they made sure that uh, he's not back for that game, which of course. seems like a good idea. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We're here. Let's talk about the file a little bit as a neutral. Have you guys covered it yet? Not on the podcast, no. Okay. But, you know, I um on the site, yes, we have written several things. So so <laughs> things were written. Le-
2: yes, I could I could tell. I there is um I, I think also Rock Chalk Talk wrote some things too.
0: Yeah, um, and then some things were said about other blogs, oh, you know. Site wars? Know. Hashtag site wars? Okay, not necessarily head to head, more Aww. Oh, my God, can wars. you believe what those guys are doing? And oh my I God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. sight wars are some of my favorite things in the world. Uh, it just it makes me so happy. I think most people from
0: both sides just realized a long time ago, it's best not to engage. That's fair.
2: I don't know that I've learned that quite yet, but I'm close to learning it. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, I, I think everybody's familiar with the videotape and everything like that. And, and I really don't want to harp on it too much. Right. But it does kind of change. It, it has the potential to change from a conference standpoint, how things like this are adjudicated, right? I mean, obviously the steal in the waning seconds of the game, perfectly legal. I'm all about it. You know, don't preach play to the whistle. If you're not actually going to play to the whistle, I'm all about that. I'm all about the block too. I thought the block was fantastic. It was great. The second that you stand over another player in a taunting fashion. Ah, man, that's that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Now, let's also be clear. I haven't read the reports from from either side. Honestly, I've I've stayed away from both blogs, just okay. just to be clear. I don't understand the people who say that Kansas state players were completely not at fault because that's not true. I I do think there was an escalation on both sides. Yeah. James Love made some really bad decisions. Yeah. It's not great. Not not great. Not great. Now that being said, you can understand the motivation behind it. I'm defending my player. You're predicting a fight to happen or some kind of scuffle to happen. I understand that still, again, not a great decision. Only one player picked up a stool, right? Like that is, that's different. I think,
0: the, the Souza, in my mind, the biggest problem for him was he three times he escalated the situation when he yeah, slid exactly. over to taunt, and then when he got back up and gave a hard push, maybe the first punch, whatever, and then of course the stool. It's like three times he could have just, you know, yeah, just
2: just yeah. bonkers. Yeah. And the only problem, I don't really have a problem with most of the opinions that have come out about this. My My only problem. The only take that I get upset about when I read or or hear is somebody getting mad at the player who stole the ball and the player who blocked the ball that happened within the context of the game. Exciting plays. Yes, I realized it happened to Kansas earlier in the season. I understand the desire to make it not happen again, but maybe protect the effing ball like come on, man.
0: I love the Kansas fans who were like, Kansas State's gotta know what happened in the Monmouth game. Like, why the hell would Kansas State know or care what happened in a fifty five point win over Monmouth for KU?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean JT, you know, we talked about it on the staff. Like honestly, I thought their suspensions were kind of light on both sides. Yeah. There could have been more guys suspended. Yeah on both sides.
1: Yeah, it was Absolutely. There were definitely, you know, K State players that left the bench in the middle of, of stuff. I mean, I thought Gordon probably could have gotten another game. And love got off a little light. Involved. David Sloan was involved. Levi Stockard came off the bench, was was mixing it up. I mean, so they were definitely K-State players at mm-hmm. fault. And I think I've come back to like well, it was K state KU players, it was K-State players. Well, I'm you know, I think to the point where I'm just I'm most pissed at Higgins for standing yeah. there. The official yeah. who was right there Mm-hmm. could have stopped the whole thing from happening with the instant T that you're supposed to give that he tried that to taunting gesture. Giving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and could have stopped the whole thing from happening if he had done you his saying, job.
2: Now, hold on just a second. <laughs> hold on just a second. Are you saying that John Higgins, uh, is that his first name, John? Yes, I just know yes, him as yes. Higgins. Yeah. It's John. John Higgins. John Higgins had a negative impact on a basketball game. <laughs> Are you saying that right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't, no, I don't believe, believe
1: it. it. It is hard to believe, but it it did happen.
2: If every team in a conference dislikes a ref, <laughs> if every <laughs> team dislikes a ref, that should say something. Anyway, now okay, so we we covered all of the gross parts of the fight, right? It sucked. No place in basketball for it, et cetera, et cetera. Suspension's good, whatever. That being said, from an outsider perspective, that was funny as hell, man. I'm not gonna lie. There's so many good memes and stuff. I'm I'm just here for the memes. Y'all. Well,
1: that's like at the end of the game, we were on our uh, in our you know behind the scenes Slack channel, and and that's, <laughs> that that was I was like fight fight fight. Like so I, I thought it was hilarious at Everybody first I mean, until things got really crazy. But yeah, it was more excitement in those last you know at the end of the game there than had been in the whole game prior to that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. And those still yeah, pictures uh, are iconic,
2: really. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Abs- <laughs> uh, honest to God, some of the best sports photography I've seen in a long time. Truly, yeah. truly agree with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good times. And then, uh, and you know, Kansas State responded okay. Honestly, in that game against Alabama, uh, they had a couple of bad stretches, but showed some resilience, played well at times.
1: Yeah, they're, uh, they're I clearly, about it. clearly very young and still trying to figure things out, but they haven't given up. Which they could have easily by this point. And they just they haven't given up. They're still fighting, they're still trying to figure things out. But yeah, that it's just this team does not have a score, and that's going to lose it a lot of ball games until that, that changes. And that's
0: why, you know, JT, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I feel like as frustrating as he is, you got to keep Cartier Jada at the point over Davis right now because he's a scorer. I know you maybe feel differently about that.
1: Yeah, I'd still much rather see Cardi at the two and getting fed the ball by Sloan. Seems like Sloan even even now has a better grasp on what Bruce is trying to do with the overall offense. And there were several plays against Alabama where like he hit McGurl coming off a screen just, you know, at the perfect moment with the right pass. it happened twice, like within a couple possessions, and McGurl bricked both threes, but it wasn't because he got the ball late or got it out of position. It was because he just, you know, was off target. But when Sloan makes those passes, it, it's crisp. It looks good. It looks like he knows what he's doing. When Cardi makes those passes, it it takes a, a second or two longer. It he looks sloppy. It looks like, um, well I guess I'll go ahead and throw it now and, and then then things end up late. So the guy, you know, was already getting blocked again and, and can't put up a shot. So, so I think some of the best PR- things happen when like barrier cam was feeding cardi last year and he could just yeah. go up and score he doesn't have to worry about trying to run the offense he can just score which is what i think is his primary contribution to this team yeah
0: that's right i still think cardi and Dewan gordon though is a better one two more effective one two than david zone and Cardi. i agree when they're both on the floor absolutely david sloan should be the one yeah no question
2: about that but. So Uh, I I have I have a couple of very insightful points here, if you don't mind me expounding as a Baylor fan here. Okay. So a couple of times you guys said David Sloan, but you didn't really enunciate well enough. So it sounded like (laughs) Donald Sloan. And as a Baylor fan, (laughs) I didn't like that so for those of you who don't know donald's one from texas a&m just go look about all that <laughs> yeah um, i remember that man. it feels like cartier uh, jar should be a, a senior or at least a seventh year senior or something like that it feels like he's been there and, and sneed is a senior right but like well technically he, this is, is
1: cartier's fourth season on campus he yeah. he's in the same class mm-hmm. as sneed he just had okay. to sit out his freshman year with a knee injury
2: Mm-hmm. Gotch. That okay. That is yeah. starting to make more sense
0: to me. And if it makes you feel better, you know he's going to graduate. So there is actually talk of him potentially graduate transferring somewhere else. So. We're going okay. pro. We're going pro. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not uh, in the
2: NBA. And obviously. and it, yeah. it does feel like <laughs> it does feel like McGirl is is has been there for years as well. I realize he's probably like a sophomore or junior, but. Um, It feels like he's been there for quite so that those that, that's my insight for today. So that's the value okay. I bring that to episode. <laughs> okay. yep. All right. Yep. Yeah. Also, I think there's a freshman from a high school rival of mine in Houston, and I'm not a big fan of that. So, Interesting. Okay. yeah, uh, Murphy or something like that. From Octavius Murphy, yeah, 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 yeah. from a, a high school division rival of mine back in Houston. Don't like it one bit. Probably not okay. good, probably okay. real bad. Interesting. Yep, that's all that's I got fair. to say about that's that. That's fair.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I did want to ask you to go back to Baylor. So Kansas State just saw one of the fastest teams in the country in Alabama. Baylor is definitely not that.
2: You in know, terms of ha- pace, you yeah, mean. Right, yeah, yeah, pace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, you know, how much are they going to just kind of? So, that, is, is this going to be a really ugly game? I guess is what I'm saying
2: so you know as, as much as i hate to admit it like watching the spurs in what fifteen or 16 when it was a beautiful game and just moving the ball and boom 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 and transition and boom, boom boom ah so cool yeah no baylor is prone to some real ugly nasty games and i i think it's just mostly because they get the other teams so out of rhythm on the offensive side of the ball that if baylor has even a mediocre offensive game then it just kind of looks uglier than it actually is. Now Baylor does tend to be a second half team. So if there's an ugly first half, um, which tends to be the the theme as well, they usually turn around in the second to make the, the final score a little bit more appeasing, but it very well could be an ugly defensive game if that's what it lends itself to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So I think a game like that probably favors K state. I mean, we we say that about other things and we said that about the West Virginia game too, and it ended up, K-State went off for 84 points and yeah. looked better than they had all year. But, uh, you know, sometimes I think with the lack of scores, you know, an ugly defensive game, like the game against TCU and Manhattan, is probably going to be more likely that this team's going to win
2: than a uh, shootout. So I, I hate to say that this is just very brief analysis of the scores here. I'm looking at the <laughs> wins and you have the lowest points scored in a Kansas State win is sixty points. Um, sure. Yeah. So uh, my, yeah. my 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 my, ex, my my expectation is that that is about where Baylor will be able to hold Kansas State. Now, if if Baylor's unable to score, that's a whole nother. Question, but I don't think Baylor scored under sixty. And here I am, just like trying to stomp all over your hopes and dreams, right? <laughs> um, and I don't, mean I don't think to do we have any
1: hopes and dreams at this point. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
2: Baylor. Baylor had a, a pretty ugly win against Butler, a fifty-three to fifty-two win, but that was by far the lowest they've scored all season. Uh, there was a fifty-nine win, uh, fifty-nine point win against Texas, uh, but Texas at this point is honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm not going to say anything mean. Again, they're an up and coming program. I think they'll do just fine down the road. Yeah. Just
1: a uh, cursory gr- glance, it looks like three games in Big Twelve place that were 61 points or less. So OU, Tech, and Texas looks like. Yeah, it so, sounds about right. You know, if we could hold Baylor to 61, it would probably be like a 61-60 K State loss.
2: So it's. it's <laughs> like so I'll yeah. I'll say this: like there's It'll a lot of like ex- the OU game. There's a lot of experience that was very stressful for a lot of Baylor fans. I don't know why, but on Twitter, you could tell that that Oklahoma game they come storming back in the last five minutes. I'm like, yeah, man, that just happens sometimes. It's so was it's that baske- more it's, it's or college less basketball
0: than the Oklahoma State game, where it was like the opposite.
2: I never really had a big issue with the Oklahoma State game, they went. I believe the quote I used in the Baylor podcast I did a, a couple of days ago was banana pants crazy sandwich in the first half. <laughs> um, I, I've never seen Oklahoma State shoot the ball that well in a half. I think they scored like 36 or 46 or something in the first half. It was insane. Okay. Um, and Baylor turns around and scores 48 in the second and shuts Oklahoma State down. So that one, I, I realized there's quite a bit of basketball left to be played in that one. Oklahoma okay. – made a lot of people nervous just because they seem to be scoring well down the stretch from the three-point line. And that's really where they did most of their damage. Brady Manick, yeah. When you're eight foot tall and you can shoot <laughs> with a relatively quick release, it's, it's kind of hard to affect that. So yeah. props to him.
0: So Baylor right now, despite what Washington College basketball fans would want you to believe, whether they're Gonzaga or Huskies fans, <laughs> Baylor is the obvious number one, I think, based on their resume. But, you know, we've been hearing that argument all year that there is no really great team in college basketball. A lot of number ones have lost, you know, does, does Baylor have an argument for being a great team? Do you think?
2: I think you can say that Baylor is defensively great. I don't think that's going to change. I think there are still questions about offensive consistency, but if you continue to see a stretch of games here in the big 12, where multiple people step up various nights, I'm okay with that not being a question that people ask, but you look at a couple of games. For me, it's can you score 65-ish points in a game, depending on pace, right? And you look, there are a couple of low spots, but for the most part, this team scores 65 upwards of 70. You know, with with you know they scored 87 on Villanova, I think, or almost 90 on Villanova, and you know, a couple of 70 point games here and there. So I'm, I'm not terribly worried about that. I'm I'm very impressed with the defense because I know that will travel. I will never doubt Gonzaga, right? Mark Few right. always has his guys ready to play. Right.
0: I, I didn't say Baylor is obviously the best team in the country. I said they obviously have the
2: best resume. So. Sure, I, I think that's fair. I think that Washington team, even though they've lost quite a while, like it, it's hard to play in Alaska. I, I'll just say that. And if you're playing a young team that doesn't know to be scared and nobody knew to be scared of Baylor at that mm-hmm. point, I, I don't think that's a necessarily bad loss. The shots just went cold at the end of that game. So I, I think that among the top, yeah, Baylor, Gonzaga. I don't necessarily trust a lot of the East Coast schools. Uh, like I, I don't necessarily trust Duke, but you know that they will improve acro- over the course of the season. I really think that Florida State team is extremely dangerous despite their ranking right now. And, you know, Kansas, if they get healthy, they're they're going to be good. Uh, you know, we, if you have a couple of good guards to pair with Azabuki, they're going to be good. So I, I think it's a little bit overblown. People need things to write.
1: Yeah. Okay. As far as schedule is concerned, I mean, Baylor's already got a win in one of the hardest places to win for a road team in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's not necessarily because Allen Fieldhouse is so crazy
2: either. So, um, <laughs> what you know, are you I, suggesting, Oh, I, I, oh I, I really thought you were talking. <laughs> Honest to God, I thought you were talking about Lubbock. I really thought you were talking (laughs) about Lubbock because Baylor has a win there too. So,
1: right, right, right. No, I was definitely talking about those, uh, those, those guys down the river. (laughs) Exactly. Um,
2: yeah, man, I, I think you can't really, you can't really overlook an away game anywhere in the big 12, except in Austin. And, um, I think you know you go to Hilton. That's going to be a tough game in Hilton. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game in Manhattan. It's going to be a tough game in uh, whatever. Do they have cities in West Virginia? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, it, there's never a break, right? I, it's just you know you, you got to continue. But yeah, some of the big hurdles we got over in that very first week of conference play at Texas Tech at Kansas. Boom, boom. The two games that really propelled us up to that number two, and then the icing on the cake was iowa state's pro prospect i can't remember his name right now but him going two for 12 is what propelled us to the number one spot so halliburton yeah halliburton thank you Okay.
0: well uh, we appreciate you saying those nice things about manhattan yeah
2: yeah absolutely i you know i still haven't been there i need to get there at some point (laughs) allegedly i have family that originates not originates but spend some time in manhattan so i have to go see what made them all crazy all
0: right, so I, I do have another question for you, and this is very hard for me to ask, but okay. um, is Scott Drew currently the leader for national coach of the year?
2: I'm I'm gonna put some objective thought into this because I can be I I'm I'm pretty tough on my own team. Okay. Um, what are some other candidates? Let's talk about some other candidates first. Like Mark Few, is he a candidate for coach of the Not year?
0: Really? Um, not
2: really because of the no, conference no. they play in. Right. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, um, yeah. What other, what other,
0: uh, I mean,
2: I, honestly, let's play, you know, process of elimination. What here, about right? what um, other who's San Diego States coach? I mean, uh, nobody you know, knows. So if you, you don't know, know his name, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you can. His name is like Alex or something. I'm not joking. His okay. name is like Alex or something. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's Google this. This let's is San Diego basketball <laughs> head coach. This is going to be really good. It's going to be <laughs> like Bob Smith. Sam Scholl. Have you ever heard of Sam Scholl? No. I've never heard of Sam Scholl. Sure, they're undefeated, but again, I, yeah. I think their conference yeah. kind what of about, limits that.
0: What about Anthony Grant at Dayton? People love Anthony Grant.
2: I really like that Dayton team. I, I would be curious to see how long that lasts. What, what's their best win? Uh, let's let's see what their best win is right now. Their best win seems to be...
0: They beat St. Louis. That's the team that beat K State.
2: Oh, the Billikens. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. No, no, I'm just being in a butthole now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, they've lost two games, one to Kansas. Well, I don't know who does that. That seems. And they lost
0: lame. at Colorado. That's a tough place to play.
2: Oh, oh no. Oh, oh. Uh, but they do have a win against uh Saint Joseph's. No, I, I, I do like what they're doing over there. i have, I have a buddy who's a Dayton fan, so I hope they continue their success. But again, I think their conference limits them a little bit. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I yeah, say uh, I think West so. Virginia. I, think... I was just gonna Go say ahead. I think West Virginia is you know like they've struggled the last few games, but maybe you know Bob Huggins just because they were such a mess last year, and you know at least for a while they were you know creeping up. Near is that where we ranking, are? So. Is
2: that where we are? Because they were bad last year. Now well, that they're I average, just, you
1: know, I'm, I'm trying here, I'm trying to find what about Kevin Willard
0: at Seton Hall? You know, people like. Seton hall. Hmm, i have conference. okay
2: so here's here's what i'll say to that this is the first time i've heard somebody mention seton hall in a basketball <laughs> conversation this year how about that is that fair is that an yeah. okay way to say that okay i just want, just want to make sure i just it's
0: want to make good, sure there's yeah, the seven right now i'm just saying I,
2: I think at this particular point in the season who knows what happens later but I think at this point in the season, you do have to consider Scott Drew as a pretty sizable favorite, just because there were a lot of question marks, right? Like Tristan yeah. Clark, the for sure thing last year, right? Before he got injured, question mark this year. Who knows what he was going to be? And honestly, he has not contributed a ton. His efficiency is still there, oh, but he's just not able to play the same kind of defense or minutes that he needs to. Like
0: and to everything think else is a by, brand new
2: piece. Yeah.
0: I'd like to take back my seat and all suggestion because they lost back to back games to Iowa state and Rutgers.
2: They so, did. And okay. Now Rutgers might be the team of the year, right? Yeah, have national champion <laughs> Rutgers. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> they lost by 20 to Rutgers. Um, Oof. Oof. Anyway. My goof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But so the, the squad, you mentioned like all the transfers and, I wrote these down, so we'll go ahead and go through them a little bit here. Like you said, Mitchell's from Auburn. Gillespie is a really cool story. He played for a Division three school that no one has heard of, probably, because it's Division three. Became a walk-on. Jared mm-hmm. Butler transferred from Alabama before he played a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And then Teague is from UNC Asheville. Uh, yep. Is that all of them?
2: I'm trying to remember if Bandu was a a transfer mm-hmm. or not. I do know that next year we have Adam Flagler coming in. Yeah, no, no. Bandu was not a transfer, so I, I do think that covers most of it, unless yeah, according we. According
1: to the official Baylor roster, Bandu came from Hutch JUCO. Yeah, and okay, got... that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's a JUCO transfer. That's Jonathan... why he wasn't showing up. Starts with a his last name starts with a T, but I'm going to pronounce. Chachua? I guess it's not pronounced. There you go. Says he was yeah. at UNLB. Yeah. He doesn't matter though.
2: Yeah, he's not. He's not playing this season. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah. And, so I guess uh, the question, I just, I just then, Look at it.
0: Yeah. The question is: Is that just kind of the way it happened to work out this year, or is Scott Drew trying to be Fred Hoiberg?
2: (sighs) Maybe a little of both. Not that he would ever want to be Fred Hoiberg, because we have, you know, higher expectations in Waco. But, (laughs) you know, I, I do think that Scott Drew knows what kind of player he wants to bring in, the kind of mindset, right? Scott Drew, I think, is pretty unequivocally a player's coach. People like playing for him. He's a very positive guy and he has a really good staff behind him, right? So I, I think his reputation precedes him and the staff's reputation precedes them. And I think it's a prime example. Like you, you look at uh, Makai Mason, right? Makai Mason goes from playing at Yale to playing in the Big 12. He proves himself there and now he's playing professionally overseas, right? I'm, do we know that that happens if he plays at Yale for another year? I don't know, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of Baylor players playing professionally overseas. If they don't make it to the league, then they make it uh, to a professional league somewhere else. And I'm, I'm starting to think that's a really strong recruiting tool. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a trend that I see. I, honestly, I hope it continues, right? Because it's been successful so far.
1: I do have one note about Baylor coaching staff you, you just mentioned. Ooh, uh, and that uh, first, Baylor is one in five since Alvin Brooks joined the staff from K-State. So, so there's that, uh, the other fun thing, I actually, uh, as it relates to Mr. Brooks there, his youngest son is two days older than my youngest son, barely two days. He uh, and his wife were in the unit there at what was then still mercy hospital in Manhattan, or I guess mm-hmm. it was Via at Christie at the time. You know, I was like, Oh, Hey, look, it's Alvin Brooks. He's ba- you know, basketball, coach. not that my wife cared, but you know, um, it was pretty, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. So yeah.
2: No, yeah, that's that's a lot. That that's a s- lot like me telling my. That, that's a lot like me telling my wife that Kobe scored sixty-one in his last game, the 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 night after my son was born. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that was that's kind fun. of bonkers to me. That's yeah. why today was kind of weird to me too. But yeah, no, Alvin Brooks. I think he is a valued member of our staff, and he will continue to be because we just win here in Waco. That's what we do. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I forgot. Uh, we got a quick commercial break here from our sponsors, and we're back now. So I did have one more question, actually, that I forgot to ask when we were going through the roster, and that mm-hmm. is uh, Baylor has a dude coming off the bench that averaged 14 and a half per game last year. So
2: is oh, that Tristan, you're talking about.
0: regression or is the team around them that much better?
2: I, I probably the latter. I, I just think that this team has a different identity than what it was. Are you, are you talking about Devonte Bandu? No, I'm talking are about you- Tristan Clark. Oh, okay. Tristan Clark averaging fourteen points over his career because he's not averaging that this season. No, oh, last season he did though. Last season, yes, he, he did. That. Yes, he did. So, I mean, that's kind of like the last question mark for this team is who is going to come in and provide minutes when Freddie Gillespie needs a breather, right? Mm-hmm. And the the ideal option there is Tristan Clark. Of course, suffered a a, a pretty bad knee injury. Uh, I think it was the first conference game last season and still kind of working himself back. But against Oklahoma State, I think he was four for four. Against Oklahoma, he was three for four. So that patented efficiency around the rim is still very much so there. There has been some, and this is just anecdotally for myself, just watching him play, some limitations on the defensive side of the ball that I think prevents him from getting more minutes. Just when put into a pick-and-roll situation, just not really able to stick with, the guard, uh, if, if it stays there and uh, having a little bit of trouble recovering back to the role, man, if if that's how that plays out. So, you know, I, I cannot wait for him to start trusting that knee a little bit more, getting a little bit healthier, getting a little bit better conditioned. I know that he can provide a massive impact if and when he does get completely healthy, extremely efficient around the rim. But I think the thing that has changed mostly is that this team is no longer trying to play through a post player, right? That was always kind of what we tried to do. Corey Jefferson, Isaiah Austin, right? You look at the last seven or eight years. Jonathan Motley. The, Jonathan Motley, precisely. Thank you. Everything would run through a post player and there'd be a lot of guard movement around that. That's not really what's happening this season, right? Freddie Gillespie is not the offensive focal point. He ends up being very impactful off the offensive glass and things like that nature. But, but we're not running an offense through a post player. And I think there's still some adjustment to that as well, because when he does come into the game, I wouldn't say the team tries to force it to him, but they do try to get him touches. So it's, it's, I think it's just still an adjustment period, him getting healthy and also just an adjustment to the new style. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, I think that's about all I've got. Um, JT, I guess to turn to you here. Um, this is where we'd normally maybe ask for a prediction, but I don't want to do that. So what does kids they need to do? To to make this close.
1: Um, like they, they they gotta make baskets. The orange ball has to go through the hoop. I mean, it at a you know, higher clip than the other team. Yeah. That would be <laughs> uh, helpful. Yeah, that would throws. be nice. Yeah, That'd free cool. throws would be great.
2: I uh, mean, JT you're not you're not wrong, man. Like I, I <laughs> I, I seriously like the, the games where Baylor has been in trouble. They just have not shot the ball. Well, that that has been the only thing just shots were not falling in the first half against Oklahoma state shots were not falling really the whole game against Oklahoma. And uh, if that continues in Kansas state can come out and shoot, I don't know, 45%, 42% from three because that it happens. Be these, these guys are good, right? Like all of these players are good. These aren't bad basketball players, right? Um, I, anything can happen in the big Twelve.
1: Yeah, it, it just kills me that that a, a team at this level cannot shoot even seventy percent as a team. Uh, this <laughs> K
0: State basketball team, uh, free throw specifically. I don't think they have ever done that in Bruce's tenure. Actually.
1: Well, they're shooting they're shooting sixty three percent, which is just abysmally yeah. low for a Division one basketball team. It's just insane. Right.
0: I think I'm not sure it's even top three hundred at this point. Division One. It's.
1: it's I mean, uh, even if they were shooting sixty-eight percent, I think we're looking at two <laughs> or three more wins. You know, just yeah. a couple of one-loss games that were decided because Yeah. our guys just couldn't hit that. free throws.
0: And then on the other hand, you've got Missouri, who set an NCAA record for most consecutive made free throws, and still lost two games, and ended that streak by missing a game time free throw with thirty seconds left. So, really, it's <laughs> a no-win situation. You're not bitter
1: about that at all? Are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's rough out there man it's rough well matt you know we appreciate you coming on best of luck to the baylor in all games except for kansas state game i guess
2: absolutely i can i can get on board with that i i think this entire season is setting up for a very entertaining conference tournament and a an even more entertaining ncaa tournament so just as a generic basketball fan i think uh i think this is going to get a lot better than what the uh, writers are writing about Yeah. Yeah.
0: I hope so. I mean, I just hope, you know, I always get together with my college friends the first weekend of March Madness and we watch all the games and we kind of, you know, live all over and we gather together in one spot. And last year was really disappointing. There just was not a lot of excitement that first weekend. So my biggest wish is we get some more exciting games that first weekend.
2: It's all you can hope for. Mm
0: -hmm, Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Matt. Uh, people can check out your stuff at uh, Matt, Matt Is Bear on Twitter and then still writing for Our Daily Bears. For
2: Our Daily Bears on occasion. Baylor Athletics screwed up and gave me a credential this season. So That's right. <laughs> I'm trying to give um, a little bit more insight to uh, this team and, and how they relate to each other and the chemistry there because I think it's a pretty special season. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Sounds good. I uh, always appreciate it. That's a good time. Thanks for coming
2: on. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt.
0: So, yeah.